of Matthew chapter 8. And I'll begin with verse number 5, Matthew chapter 8, verse number 5, and I'll direct your heart's desire toward the word of the Lord. I want to give you an invitation to a place that your soul will appreciate and be satisfied. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, here's the word of compliance, I will come and heal him. Then the centurion answered and said, O Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Here's why. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. And said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, That many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto the centurion, Go your way. Just as you believed, so it shall be done unto thee. And his servant was healed in that selfsame hour. And I preach today dimensions, dominion, and authority. Ah. I pray right now under the anointing of the Holy Ghost that you would anoint everyone who hears the word. We will hear it together, Lord. Speak now today in this house. I pray right now, Lord, that you would dispatch every ministering spirit and the powers that be of heaven and envelop this entire house and all those who will receive the word. I pray it in the authority and the power in the name of Jesus and I plead the precious blood over everyone's mind. I pray that you would captivate our hearts and our attention. In the name of Jesus we pray. By the authority of your word and the power that's in your name I pray it in Jesus' name. Shout out to God with your hearts and your voice. Shout out to God with triumph and power and authority and boldness in the spirit.
I want us to pray for each other right now. I can't move yet. Put your hand on the back of someone. Do not, do not take it lightly. In the name of Jesus, grab their hand or bind together. I want you to pray for one another. Pray that things would be removed. Pray there'd be an open conduit in our hearts. We're going to pray one more time. Before you pray, when Moses built the tabernacle, under the instruction of God, he separated the holiest of holies with a veil. It was the separation between the community and God. Of all the things in the tabernacle, only one thing represented the flesh. That was the veil. It was because no one was holy and no one could be appointed. Only one man, the high priest, could go behind the veil. But when Jesus rose from the grave, not only was his flesh torn, but the veil was ripped and it was torn. Watch this. Do not put him back behind the veil. He has given us access to the Holy of Holies and to power. Don't let your flesh get in the way of what I'm about to do because it's not me, it's the Holy Ghost. The Lord has made it so that we have authority and power in the Spirit. I want you to pray against the flesh and the carnal man and the carnal mind in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, I pray. We want to hear from you, Lord. Ah. Remove myself, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, not to get in the way of your spirit, of the revelation of you, Lord, of the power, Lord. Come on, say it. I extol you, Lord. I adore you, Lord. Say it. I exalt you, Lord. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Let the depths of my soul cry out to you today, Jesus. I'm not crying with my mind. I'm not crying with my flesh, but I cry to you from the depths of my soul, Lord. Ah. Uh. 
Jesus' name. Thank you. You may be seated. If for a moment we can focus on the few verses that I read to you in the scripture, even among the wording, there are derivative words. I'll uncover them for you, but simply to say that Jesus marveled. He only marveled twice in the scripture. Mary and Joseph marveled. Pilate marveled. The people on many occasions marveled. The Sanhedrin council, the Bible says, marveled at Peter and John and others, the Pharisees, the governor. But Jesus only marveled twice. Amazed or astonished, even in awe. Just to put that into context, this Emmanuel, God with us, this incarnate deity, the self-proclaimed beginning and ending. He exhibits a response of both bewilderment and awe. This is not a reference to any one of us. This is Jesus who is the Almighty, who said of himself, I am the way, I am the truth and the life, I am the door, I am the only way in. So consider Consider that the Lord would marvel at anything or be filled with astonishment or wonder or amazement. It is no small thing. It only happened two times. I read to you one of those moments in Matthew 8 and 10 when he heard the response of the centurion. He marveled. He said, I haven't seen this kind of faith among my own people. That was in response to this man. But the other moment was when he desired to do miracles among his own people, but they rebuffed him and refused him. And I read from Mark 6 and 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief. If we take it for what it's worth, if the scriptures apply to our lives, especially in reference to the response of Jesus, of which we should all be aware, then there are only two ways to amaze the Lord. You can belittle his power and minimize his blood. Or you can consider that his word is more than enough. Speak it. Both are centered around what we know as authority. The Roman speaks a profound truth and then Jesus will give a reply. But not before he puts the nation of Israel into their proper perspective. Think now. Matthew chapter 8 is long before any of them ever considered or thought that the Gentile race had any chance of salvation. That chapter occurred at least 21 years before Acts chapter 10, where Cornelius summoned Peter to preach the gospel, and the lot of them in Cornelius' house spoke in other tongues. That was the moment when Peter said, 
can we keep them from being baptized? He said in Acts 10, they are speaking in other tongues just as we did. And then Peter, in your Bible, commanded that they should be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 10. But we are a full two decades before Cornelius. The Lord will heal the servant of the centurion. He will speak it. But before he does, Jesus will make a twofold declaration. Pay attention now. Pay careful attention now. The first declaration is that the east and the west was coming to the banquet table. Meaning that the Gentiles were going to be given access to rule and reign with Jesus in what we know as the millennial reign, a thousand year reign. That's to come. We're right there at the, at the precipice of it. And the Lord says he's going to include the entire Gentile race. They will be gathered together into the vine. It was a stunning reply, almost an odd interjection from the Lord. But that was not the only reply. Jesus then indicts the children of Israel, many of them. It was an egregious reply. He is bringing the children of Israel to judgment. And he summons them and puts them all on trial. Why? Because they had killed their prophets. They had corrupted the temple. They had abandoned the heart of the law, the spirit of it. They ignored the poor. They brought each other to court and sued each other. They divorced and married people outside of the faith. They offered meager sacrifices that were lame and crippled that cost them nothing. They professionalized and politicized the priesthood. And they were suspect of Jesus himself, even though he spoke with wisdom, performed the inexplicable miracles before them. The lame walked, the dumb talked, the blinded eyes were opened, lepers were cleansed. Think of it, the most incurable disease of the day was leprosy. He not only cured them and healed them, some of them he made them whole. Just note, there is a difference, ladies and gentlemen. And being healed and made whole. Oh. And it centers around worship. There is a dimension of worship that reaches beyond what we, what we always consider. Knowing the song and singing might be the door. But there is a dimension of worship that restructures our minds and our spirits. Worship will reconstitute the way you think, real worship. We can be healed, but many are healed and few are whole. Healed and whole are different plateaus. The higher ground is the level of worship. That's when you have no evidence that you were ever sick or in need in the first place. I don't want you just to be healed. I want you to be whole. Ten lepers came to Jesus and they were all healed. But one came back, fell on the ground in worship, and the Bible says that Jesus made him whole. Healing is stopping the spread of what happened to you, but being whole is removing any evidence that it was ever there in the first place. No more disease is different than no more scars. Oh, man. He can. He has the power to do it. It can happen in this house. You can actually get up from this place and forget who you used to be and forget what happened to you. 
Your mind can be so healed and reconstructed that you don't even remember all the junk that you went through. You can't even find the scar or the grudge or the memory or the pain. You are healed, but there's a dimension of worship. He wants to make you whole. Watch, Pastor, now. If you're healed and you're a leper, that means your fingers are not falling off. But you are healed and a leper and you're whole. That means everything that used to be is there again. When you get into worship. And they saw it. And they were witness to the wonder of his power. And they said, as a confession, he teaches as one who has authority. Jesus reads from the scrolls time and again. We only have a small moment where he reads. But he often reads from the Old Testament. He reveals things to them they had never seen or heard before. Of course, I say that's easy if you're teaching your own material. If you're the author, you don't need to read it to explain it. The Jews had it handed to them, yet they did not accept him or receive them. And Jesus said, the children of the kingdom, I read it to you, which implies all of the above people, people who were given the prophets, they were given heritage, lineage, the law, the Red Sea, the tabernacle, its attending wonders, the impossible victories wrought by the hand of God himself. The children of the kingdom, you rejected the Christ. There's a judgment coming your way. You'll be cast into outer darkness, the Bible says. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Think of where that's at. Uh, The Holy Spirit is speaking today. If you're sitting in this house, I, I don't ask you to forgive me, but I hope you understand my heart. I'm about to make a statement. I don't make it lightly. If you're sitting in this house and you end up in hell... It will not be because the scripture was not sown in your heart. It's not because no one told you about Jesus. It will not be because someone offended you or that you've been done wrong. I don't know how exactly this is going to happen, but when I am ordered by God, this in your Bible, to give an account for your soul, if I do it with regret, grief, not joy, it will be because of neglect. It's in the scripture. Hebrews 2, 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken of by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Neglect. There is no reason for any of you to be lost. God has given us dominion over disease, over hurt, over pain, over wounds, watch, over a dysfunctional family and a family environment. He's given you dominion over rejection of a lost love, of a commitment you made, but then it was scorned and torn apart. I tell you today, he not only wants to heal you, he wants to make you whole. There's no reason to leave here not whole. In fact, the Bible says that he can give you back time. 
Now, you can't give yourself time. There's not enough in you to give yourself time. But the Bible says that he will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. That's time. That's a wholeness that medicine and counseling cannot bring. I thank you, Lord, for this. I'm in the scripture now. Watch how it unfolds. I'm sorry, pardon me. I, I have to preach now. Here's the order. A request is made by the Roman. What a peculiar thing. And then Jesus consents to go to his house to heal this very ill servant. The centurion finds value in his servant. He, he's disturbed. He has authority and power over so many things, but he cannot heal the sick. Jesus consents to go, but the Roman offers a reply of recognition. And the reply gives Jesus pause. Now, according to the linguistic forums of Longman, Collins, Cambridge, pick any one of them, the phrase to give pause cannot be explained with just a working definition or a particular defining sentence, though I suppose that they have done so. But to give pause is an emotional response. It's something said or done that invokes the unfolding of a greater thought. It makes a demand on the hearer to consider a depth beyond what was said. Stay with me. The Roman centurion gives pause to Jesus insomuch that it made the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings marvel. And in response, before he fulfilled the request of the centurion and he will do so, Jesus said, I'm going to open the door to those in the east and the west. They're going to come to the table. Every language, every creed, every color, every ethnicity, every nation, every generation, every age. They're going to sit with those of the covenant. Read it in your Bible. Jesus opens the door to what the Jews thought was the unthinkable inclusion of their presupposed exclusionary heritage. Ah. Jesus was the first to introduce a multicultural, all-inclusive, worldwide church centuries before anyone ever made up the term. And yet at the same time, he condemns the Jewish people who had it in their hands but neglected the supreme spiritual authority that was among them standing there. They had dominion and they let it go to waste. They had authority and they failed to keep it. This is how it happened. The centurion revealed and declared. Hear me everyone. You've got to do this. Revealed and declared that the authority was in Jesus Christ. And that Roman did it among the Jews. Mm-hmm. I have come to preach the word of the Lord today. There is a stirring in my spirit. It's moving in, in me and it's bringing me to some other realm. You can reject this or accept it. I, I'll try to provoke you to good works, but if you want to pass this day along just as another Sunday, so be it. But in this house, there have been three, no less than three 
prophecies in less than 12 months. All of them were the same verbiage and the same thing from three different men. And I'm preaching today because there is authority in the spirit right now in this home, in this house, in this tabernacle. Now that authority is going to come by revelation or it's going to come by recognition. Either way. Some are going to need God to reveal it. I I offer that by hope. I don't even know if that will happen. But I'm holding out hope that God will be gracious enough to some of us in here to give you a revelation of the authority because you're a skeptic. And the prophets come by and you don't receive them. Because you don't like their style. Apparently, you don't know what a real prophet is. They're prickly. Go read in your Bible. They're odd. So, most of us are going to receive the authority by recognition. The Shunammite woman moved by recognition to build a room on her house. She was paying attention to the whereabouts of the prophet. Come to find out, most people do not pay attention. If your spirit is numb, then you let it get that way. If you're not in your daily Bible reading, you don't have a chance. If you offer no prayer time to God, you are anemic. Of course your spirit is weak. Of course doubt, listen, doubt always fills the void left by closed Bibles and empty prayer rooms. Carnality always fills the void left by the absence of giving and serving. You're going to have to go back and listen to this. I'm going to tell everybody today, I've got to tell you as my brothers and sisters in the Lord, it's time to rise up and to wake up, but do not neglect or think you're going to escape in the end. You have too much invested in you. There is too much Holy Ghost in you and you're, and you're struggling, but you're going to come out of that struggle because the Lord is in this house and you have authority. You got to recognize it right now. Out of your mouth, I want you to express that in the name of Jesus. Shout out his name. Shout out praise to God. You've got a dimension you've got to get to. You've got dominion that you've got to take hold of. Watch now. The centurion gives no indication that he had a divine revelation. No, he did not. But he did recognize the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. It had to be that the centurion was basing his assessment on Jesus because of what he had already done. Oh my. He didn't know it by revelation. He knew it by reputation. He knew it by recognition. He could have easily just said these words. I don't know where you came from, Lord. I don't really know who you are, but I know that you have authority because I understand the alignment and what you have already done. This is what the centurion said. My men are alignment with my authority. Alignment. Everyone say alignment. Alignment. 
You got to get there. He said, I have men beneath me. I outrank them. I tell them where to go. I say, go here, and they go there. I go, I say, do this. He said, he said, I have one, this is what he had, 100 men, centurion, that's 100. Once I say something, this is what the centurion said, there's no need for me to go and check to see if it was done. It's known as possessing authority. I say, do this, and he does it. I say, come, and he, go, and he comes. I say, go, and he goes, because the servant or the soldier acts on my word and my word is the same as the completed work my word is the same as the work already done and to that Jesus marveled I wonder if the church can hear this today when the Lord speaks and we walk away questioning the word It only means that he is marveling at us for the wrong reason. That is against us. He gave you the church. He gave you his spirit. He gave you his name. He gave you a preacher. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. He gave you the Bible. You have the authority. We have the authority. Jesus already proclaimed it long before you arrived. He said, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The incredible and perhaps most disquieting matter of the scripture is that it took a non-Jew to reveal the authority that should have come from within. The father's children had become so accustomed to the house that they took things for granted and failed to identify the resident authority before them. It took a Roman oppressor commissioned with keeping control over their lives to say what no one else would say. Jesus, speak the word. The centurion, in essence, said, and I repeat, the spoken word from the voice of the authority is the same as the labor from the hand of the workman. The reason why so many people walk without power is because you're not under authority. You cannot possess authority until you are under authority. You have no authority in the spirit because you're not under any authority. And believe it or not, God is not your direct authority. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, just for Bible reading, go back. Read the entire book of Hebrews chapter 13. It's found three times. Go back to Galatians chapter 4. It's found two times. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. You need to read that entire, entire chapter. You'll find out what I just said is true. I'm in the book. We know that fear is of the devil. And what faith is to the church, fear is to the devil. The devil uses fear and we're supposed to use faith. When you live in fear, it means that you have no faith in God. It means you're struggling with your faith. They are oil and water. They don't mix. They oppose one another. Now, I'm going to give you a name. Many of you do not know this name and this man has passed away. But he was a bona fide prophet. His name was Barnes. Tom Barnes. We would know him better as T.W. Barnes. He said this. He said that the Lord spoke to him and said, Tom, I want you to do something for me. You're going to go here and you're going to do this. And Brother Barnes said, Lord, I don't think I can. And the Lord said, then you will not do it. 
And the Lord told him, Tom, you have replaced my blood for your fear. And either you are covered by my blood. I'm reading it as he spoke it. And either you are covered by my blood or you're covered by your fear. So you will not do it. And as I stand here today, I know that we have the option to move through his blood or through our own intellect. Fear or faith, that's it. If it's carnal, then you will never be settled or secure. The carnal man is unstable. The carnal woman is unstable. Fear is waiting for you at the end of your vain ambition. But I stand here to say, if you move by the blood and you walk by faith, then you have authority and power and you will have a sound mind. There needs to be a healing of minds in this place. And, and not just a healing of the mind, but when you enter worship, there needs to be a restoration and a reconstruction of your mind so that you don't think the same way that you used to think. In fact, I want it to be, you are bewildered at how you used to think. And I want you to say, that's not what I was. I want to argue with you and say, yes, that's what you used to say. I want you to be able to say, that can't be me. Because the Lord has healed me and made me whole. I don't even see, I can't even recognize that person. Speaking of yourself. <laughs> the recognition is important because it's something that you can do. If you've not found the revelation, and perhaps you may not, you can find it by recognition. Joseph rose to a prominent position in Egypt, and he had the power of the land in his hand. He had guided the region, the entire region, far beyond Egypt, through the most bountiful and then devastating period in their history. Seven years of massive gain, followed by seven years of interminable famine. Joseph was the authority with a capital A. But when his hungry and desperate brothers saw him, they did not recognize him. They were looking at the man with authority. Joseph was wearing the signet ring of the king, of Pharaoh. Think, the king had given him a gift, which was the key to the kingdom. He had the gift. They saw the ring, the robe, the power, but they did not see their brother. Joseph held the key to hundreds of storehouses filled with grain. Joseph held the key to mounds of food and bread and meat. All the while his brothers were groping for a morsel of meal in their hand. They were related by blood. Get this. But they saw him as a stranger. They did not see him as a ruler for their benefit. He, his appointment, ladies and gentlemen, which mu was, uh, was much like Esther. It was for the salvation of the people. He came to that kingdom for such a time as this. But Joseph was cloaked even among his own family members. They were of the same blood. His position was for their benefit and he had gifts. But they did not recognize him. Because to discount authority is the most natural disposition of the carnal mind. Your answer is in the room. But many of you are looking beyond these walls for the answer when there are storehouses filled with exactly what you need you will not have authority until you recognize what's in the room and if you don't know where to start i'll help you today start by speaking the name of jesus you will never go wrong with the name
In fact, when in doubt, call on the name. When you don't know where to begin, speak his name, Jesus. If you don't know how to pray and you're in the middle of a trouble or a conflict, say his name, Jesus. Just say it. I say Jesus over that situation. Peter and John began with it. They saw a lame man at the gate of the temple and they invoked the name. It was the first spiritual authority exercised after the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was founded in Acts 2, but the first indication of any spiritual authority by Peter and John without Jesus was Acts 3. The Bible says that, that they performed the miracle and then all the Sanhedrin was bothered. It says that Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and as many as were the kindred of the high priest gathered together Jerusalem. They put Peter and John in the middle, middle of them and they said in Acts 4, 7, when they had set them there, they said, by what power or by what name have you done this? Because in that day, everyone knew that names had power. And this is their response to verse 10. Just just so everybody would know that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you crucified him, God raised him from the dead, but even by him, this man stands before you, what? Whole. Yeah. I had a meeting here yesterday, and there was a, several pastors on a committee that I chair. We are planning to start churches around Canada and the United States and we are trying to raise money for our pastors who are going to go into these areas and and start churches there are two avenues of starting churches one is in the cities called cities we're saving they are measured by one million people or more. The, the other avenue are call, is called the next town. These are smaller areas of 20,000, 30,000 people. We are desperate to start churches because every church that preaches the truth is a stronghold against the enemies of darkness. It's like in a battlefield, you take a little mound here and a little mound there, you dig out a trench here and there, and all of a sudden, you've got control of the territory. And I've, I've put forth a, a, a number for our entire state to raise, the money to raise, and it's, 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 a, it's a step of faith. We've never done it before. It's a 27% increase from last year. And last year was a huge increase from the year before. In fact, it's almost 100% more than what I started with raising Three years ago. <laughs> but I'm not going to move with fear. I am going to move with faith. And this church is participating. Because when you give in your missions offering, you're starting churches in America, in Canada, in Africa, in Europe. You have churches, you're, you are helping people hear the gospel. You are, you don't, you may not know this, but you are buying Bibles and pamphlets. And one of our missionaries now has found Kindles. They've reconstructed the Kindles and put all kinds of Bibles on the Kindles. And they can, they can ship them out all over the place. There are hundreds of them. The missionary told me what they're doing. Hundreds of them. And people are reading the scripture all around the world. When you give to missions, that's what you're doing. 
And after that was over, Brother Nichols and I spoke again. He is a pastor, but I think he's more of a prophet. And what he spoke to me was prophetic. He's been here in this house. I told him the story I'm about to tell you. And when I was done, he began to prophesy to me. And he said, when the devil or when a demonic spirit is losing strength in any area, that demonic spirit reveals himself. It's when he's cloaked that he has more power. He said to me, there is a new spiritual authority that you and the church are coming to. Uh, you can, if you're a skeptic, fine. God love you. On October the 22nd, about two weeks ago, I was asked to go to Miami to preach. There are several churches around the United States that that have and pastors that have helped that have asked me to help them with certain things. The church in Miami, the gentleman there is a church planter. His name is Santi Jimenez. Uh, Santi is uh, from the Dominican Republic. His wife is from Colombia. All the service is done bilingual. The whole service is done bilingual. I spoke to you about this a week or so ago. Um, the, after three days of services, I was reading all the songs in Spanish. I don't know if I got them right or not, but I was reading in Spanish and singing in Spanish. So watch out, Brother Bonilla. You might have to learn English a little bit better. We'll swap places. I'm coming. But they also did a little Creole because there's Haitians there. And Creole is a small form, I guess a, a, a muddied form of French. And in the church there are Venezuelans, Guatemalans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. There are Mexicans. Uh, people from El Salvador. Um, and Haitians, and I'm probably leaving a few out. So I'm, I'm asked to go there, I'm, and, and, I, and I've been asked to go also to the church planner in South Dakota in a few weeks from now, because we're going to start multiple churches in South Dakota, and there's pastors ready to go. South Dakota is a barren land. There, there are so many towns that need a church. So forgive me, I don't want to miss you or not be with you, but from time to time now, I have to do this because I'm commissioned by the Lord to do it. We have, we're in the last days of time. We have to start churches and we have to have preachers and we have to have ministries start everywhere around our country. Now, my plane ticket to leave for Miami left, the plane left at, uh, right before 7 o'clock. And so from here to the fast park where I go to drop my car off is about a little over an hour. By the time I get on the shuttle to get over, I leave myself another 20, 25 minutes. So from here, without traffic, uh, I, I try to leave myself an hour and a half before I even get to the airport. And then they tell you you should go there about 
an hour. I, I, I've got the pre-check so I, can, I don't have to take my shoes off. There's no holy ground at the airport. So I go through, and, and so I know that I have to leave early in the morning. And because I'm a little OCD, I even add more time to it. And so I want to get there early. I woke up in the morning, you know, and I had slept. It felt good. Took a shower. Got my, had my suitcase ready to go. I went, had a cup of coffee. Um, I, I, I let the dogs out. Uh, I had to wake them up to get them out. And, and then they came in and, and I just kind of waited a moment. And then I said, okay, I'm ready. Put my suitcase in the car. Um, and I got in the car, got in my car. Now in my car, like many of your cars, the technology has increased incredibly. It's increased. Um, the, 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 the screen in the middle of my console is a beautiful screen. I'm telling you, it is pixel perfect. I don't even know how, 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 uh, how many pixels it has, but it's a beautiful screen. And the backup lights plus the light outside of my house, I can see my neighbor's house. I can see it. I can see the garage that was once destroyed by my, by the youngest of our family. And now it's beautiful again. Sorry. I owe you money. Nico. I can see everything perfect. I can see it very, very clearly. I open up the garage door and to put my car into reverse, I have to push the brake on. And then I just, there's a little knob and I just push the knob just, just forward a little bit and it goes into R. And when it does that, immediately my camera uh, uh, sh- shows and I can see everything behind me. It's 4.15 on the mor- in the morning, on a Friday morning. I'm going to drive myself to the airport. When I put it in, in reverse, I was looking down at the, at the knob and looking at my backup camera. When I, did, when I looked at it and the garage door came up, a man walked across my screen stopped and turned and looked at me and then walked to the other side. I got out of my car. I immediately start calling on the name of Jesus and I looked to the back. There was no one there. When the man walked, his body was disintegrating. When he stopped and looked at me, I could not see his eyes, but the black figure was like particles coming off of his body, his head, his arms, his hands, the fully his full figure and then he walked away and it was almost like a comet where there was disintegrating pieces coming off of him. I knew immediately that was a spirit, a dark demonic spirit. I began to call on the name of Jesus. Of course, chills covered my body. I closed the garage door. I began to speak in the name of Jesus. I did not want to go back in the house and wake up Tammy. I just prayed over over the house. I only told, I didn't tell anyone that. In fact, when I went and landed in Miami, one of the first things that Brother Santi showed me was a picture of the two witch doctors, the Haitian witch doctor that he has on camera and the Cuban witch doctor, a man and a woman. They don't know each other. And how they marched around the church and put, tried to put spells on their church. And in front of the door where people go into, they have killed black cats and spilled their blood and burned them until charcoal. And there's bees and there's, there's roosters, chickens, rabbits, birds, cats. They do this. And I said, what do you do? I was about to tell him my story when he said, oh, we don't, that doesn't bother us, pastor. We just get the broom and the dustpan. We sweep them up and throw them and we're going to have church. 
And the moment that he told me that, a peace came over me and I decided not to say anything. When I got back home, I'm kicking my feet around, waiting for a time to tell Tammy. I finally told her, and we just let it be. When the preacher came here last week, on the way out, I told him the story and he said, you're entering a new dimension in the spirit. And your church is entering another realm of dominion in the spirit. And then he said to me, from now on, don't ever leave town unless you notify an intercessory team to intercede and cover your home, your family, and the church. This is what he said. You're the, according to the scripture, you're the, you're, you're the angel to the city. Don't leave the city unattended without intercessory prayer covering the church. So we're going to get to that. When I told Brother Nichols the story, he told me that when the devil or a demonic spirit is losing strength in an area, he reveals himself. And then he said these words, the devil just showed his hand. But you have authority because you're under authority. And your church is going to have authority if they come under authority. When I was through talking to him, I immediately called Santi, and I said, this is what happened. He said, Pastor, he's, I didn't tell him what anyone else said. He said, Pastor, you have authority, and there is another dominion happening in you. I hung up the phone with him. No sooner that I hung, I, I know you don't know these words, these names, it's okay. When I hung up the phone with him, Brother Stone King called me. I opened up the phone. I said, Brother Stone King, I've got to tell you something. And he said to me, tell me the story, boy. And I told him the story and he said to me, you are about to enter a transition of another dimension of authority in the spirit and among the church. Now, I don't know how you receive it, but I want to stand up and say today, we have authority in the Holy Ghost. And after 48 minutes later, a brother Stone King prophesying to me, I want to tell you, I was walking around my neighborhood with the phone. I just kept walking around my neighborhood. When he got off the phone, I just, I just kept on walking and speaking in other tongues because I believed. Listen, I know that familiarity is going to kill some of you because you are familiar with me. You know all of my dumb jokes. You know everything. You know where I live. Be care, be very careful. Because where we're going to go, not everyone's going to go. But if you want to go where I'm going, we're going to enter worship. We're going to enter power. We're going to enter dominion. We're going to have authority. We're going to pray against spirits of infirmity. We're going to pray against spirits of division. We're going to pray against spirits of this world. 
This is a real thing. And I'm appealing to the children of the kingdom. You've been brought into the kingdom. Do not despise what you have been given. Because if we despise it, he's going to open up the east and the west and he will replace us. Santi said to me, Pastor, I got to tell you this. He said, in our first building, he said, I went to the church. It was three o'clock in the morning. He said, I was praying. I felt compelled to pray. When I went to the church, I began to pray back and forth. I was praying. He said, I was just praying. And as I was praying, I looked up and there was a man in a hoodie sitting on the front row. He said, it unnerved me. But he said, but I walked up with boldness and I said, who are you? And the man turned to me. He said, the man said, I am the spirit. I, I am the prince of the city. This, this is just how he put the words. He told the spirit, if you don't escape from this place, I'll rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And in a moment, the man was gone right from his sight. Now, there is a spiritual dimension in every territory of the world. The devil has been doing this a long time. He's been working on this for at least 6,000 years and perhaps longer. The Bible calls it principalities and powers. A principality is a segment of land. It's a land mass. Now, Brother Barnes said that from, from deep in Africa, some of the people came over and brought their voodoo. And he said, in New Orleans, there's the birthplace of spiritual darkness through voodoo. And he pointed out a place. And he said, from there, it, it went throughout all the country through transit, rivers, railroads, and highways. And the devil has a spirit over this region, over this county, over the city, and over your neighborhood. But we are going to break the back of the devil. He's losing power. He just showed his hand. Now, if you want to be carnal and not an authority, this will not work for you. I just want you to know this is not this is not your alley because carnality inhibits the purity of the Holy Ghost. I want to say we've got to get to a moment that we will. That we will stop tolerating the enemy's interference in our lives. There are dimensions in the spirit that we've yet to reach because we have tolerated all kinds of horrible things. you got to stop tolerating those things. The early church decided they had enough. Luke is going to write this and I'm going to read it to you. Luke said that it came to pass as we went to prayer that a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us. She brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. But that same girl followed Paul and us and that girl was crying out. These men are the servants of the most high God. They'll show you the way of salvation. Not every advertisement is good for the church. We don't align ourselves with the devil because the world will conflate the purity of the doctrine with the darkness of the world. Oh, 
And Paul had enough of the interference. And the Bible says that he was grieved and he turned to the spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Now, until you're ready to stop the interference and align yourself with authority, but if you are and you get under authority and you align yourself with it, God's going to give you power and he's going to bring you into a dimension. And you won't have to ask anyone for the work. All you're going to do is speak the word. And when you speak the word, something is going to happen. You're going to go into the bedrooms of your children and you're going to speak the word. And the evil spirits that are tormenting your children, your sons and your daughters, it will not be able to stay in your home because you're going to move through the blood and not through fear. I say this under the anointing of the Holy Ghost by the authority of the word of God it's time for you to go past your healing it's time for you to get whole and you're going to get whole when you begin to break out and worship not with your mouth and your heart but with your soul not with your intellect I know it's Sunday morning I know what hour it is, but listen, y'all have had an extra hour of sleep. You should be well rested. And some of us had a cup of coffee or five or eight, something like that. I want to tell you right now, we have authority in the spirit. It's time for us to get pure. Don't play this church game no more. Don't put on your Sunday, go to meet and close and live like the devil on Monday. Hold on, shame on the church. Don't neglect your salvation. Don't ne- you won't escape if you neglect the salvation. And if you neglect the salvation, you stand before God. He's going to remind you of this very moment. He's going to bring it back to your memory like it's a movie replaying in your head. You're going to hear me preach this word. You have the power and you have the authority. Get in alignment and God is going to give you the word. And when you speak the word, the angels of the Lord are going to go with you and they're going to preface you and they're going to go before you and behind you. And when you walk into your job, your campus, your home, your business, the community, you are walking in the spirit and in power. Yay! Yay! I just felt a little little pushback. I felt a little pushback here. I want to tell you, I rebuke that pushback. I rebuke that flesh and that carnality. God's going to give you dominion. You're going to be in a dimension. You're going to have authority. Let me ask you, do you think a prophet has to be 75 years old? There are prophets being called among us. And there are, there are other people that are going to be gift, given the gift of prophecy among us. We have to pray that the gifts of the supernatural will be poured out so that there are gifts of miracles and gifts of healing. This is in your Bible. 
This is in your Bible. And there are people with gifts. And they don't, you may not even know it, but there are storehouses in you. In you. you are bought with the same blood. All of us have the same blood. Do not look on the epidermis of anybody. That is nonsense. That's of the devil. You are the same blood. We have the same blood. You are my blood brother. You are my blood sister. We were born by the same father and in the same mother. We got the same daddy and we got the same mama. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free. The mother of us all. Ah! And in this room, there are spiritual gifts. You can't see it, but you're wearing the signet ring of the king. Now, some of you are going to doubt yourself, and you're doubting me. It's okay. You can doubt me. You're not the first person to doubt. It's all right. I'm not offended. Because I know not everybody's doubting. Because there is a spirit world that you can't see. In fact, in this place, the devil has no room here, first of all. The devil has no room. There's no demonic spirits in this room. Now, there are human spirits. There's human infraction. There is carnality. There's skepticism and doubt. That's why, that's why Paul said he wished that men would lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting, anger and skepticism. Because when the men lift up their hands, it's like the raising of Moses' hands by Aaron and Hur. Faith, self-control. Every man in the church. Every young man in the church. Come on, put those hands up. Faith and self-control. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this house. God is going to do you with power. You are going to have authority. I proclaim it in the name of Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit would do an impartation. Not me, but the Holy Spirit. Pour out authority. I pray right now there'd be authority in the Holy Ghost. I pray that every person in this house would have the authority of the Spirit. We are going to walk out to the Spirit, Lord. Yay. I don't know where you think you came today, but I want you to know where you come. You've come to the house of the Most High God. You've come into the presence of Jehovah. There is no veil here. There is no hindrance here. We are looking square face into the glory of our God. And he is going to give us power and authority in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. By the authority of the word of God and the power that's in the name of Jesus. 
Let this be a stronghold for the kingdom of the Most High God. And let the children of the kingdom shout out praises and worship to God. Let there be a healing and a wholeness. Hey! Hey! Come on, let's worship him now. Let's worship him. For your wholeness, let's worship him. To be whole and to be healed and to be restored and the constitution and reconstruction of your mind. In the name of Jesus, I pray. You don't have to live with that any longer. You need to rebuke it and say it in the name of Jesus Christ from this hour. Come on now, ladies. Come on. I need every lady to start worshiping the Lord. Come on, ladies. You got power with the angels. The Bible said you got power with the angels. Come on. There's power with the angels here. Come on, entertain that presence, that spirit. This is in your Bible. You've got power with the angels. You've got authority in your voice. You're under authority. There's submission in your life. Come on, ladies of the Most High God. Come on, daughters of Sarah. That's it. There's beauty in here. There's authority in here. Ah. Uh. Okay, we have, we have Sunday school going on and our teachers are not going to know what to do with our children if we go too long. But I want us to spend, I'm going to give us five minutes and this is what we're going to do. Don't doubt yourself, but don't speak something that you don't know is from God. But you can pray over one another. In this house, in this place, people have gifts and they have faith. And you need them to lay their, their hands on you. I don't want you to put any hands on the head. I don't want you to hurt their necks. If you want to put your hands on somebody, put them on the shoulder. I want you to be appropriate with this. Don't jerk anyone around. We're not doing this. It's not a violent act. Grab them by the hand. Put your hand on their elbow. I want you to cover them in the blood of Jesus. I want you to take dominion over everything that confronts them and is against their life. I want everyone to do their very best to find someone else to do this with. Now, I know the comfortable thing for you is to, is to, is to grab your family. I know that that's, that's true. But this is all of your family. So I don't want you to be embarrassed or afraid just to move out because you are... You are looking in the face of Joseph and the Lord has given your brother and your sister gifts for your benefit and storehouses of blessings. And you want to, here, here pastor, you want them to speak the word. Speak the word and they will be healed. Are you ready? Before you, before you pray, find somebody right now. Go, you got to get out of your pew or you got to get somewhere where you can pray for someone. Find them. I want, you to, I want you to stand against carnality and flesh, doubt, disappointment, hurts, wounds. The 
the interference of the demonic spirits. I want you to take dominion right now out of your mouth. Do it right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray.